You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Living in uncertain times, definitely uncertain times. We have fear, control, confusion uh, operating in the world that I've never seen in my lifetime. And uh, it's, 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 a, it's a powerful force. Um, our freedoms are being challenged. Our rights are being twisted. They're saying, you can meet, but you have to do it like this. You can open your business, but you gotta kinda do it like, like this. And, and, and it's crazy, it's like things are ever changing every single week, every single day. But it's not the first time that you know, uh, the United States of America's foundation has been attacked. It's not the first time that our freedoms have been challenged. It's not the, it's not the first time there's been a deficit of bravery and heroism and courage and strength. It's not the first time that's happened. It may be the first time that government's ever overreached their jurisdiction and told the church they can't meet. It may be the first time that's happened. It may be the first time the church or the, the government's ever told businesses how they had to run their own businesses in a free nation. It may be the first time the government's even um, telling the medical community how to do what they do. Maybe the first time that's ever happened. It's not the first time that Christians, though, have ever stood up and fought with freedom fighters this anti-Christ spirit and this anti-freedom agenda. It's not the first time that's ever happened. There's a guy I wanna tell you about this morning and he is, he is a legend. He's a legend, his name is John Peter Gabriel Muhlenberg. We'll call him Pete. <laughs> and this guy is, I think we have a photo of him, looks kinda of like George Washington. And, uh, and it says, in the years leading up to the Revolutionary War, there was a reverend, a pastor named Peter Muhlenberg. He increasingly found himself falling in line with the revolutionary cause. If you're not sure what the revolutionary cause was or the revolutionary war was about, it was an insurrection by American patriots in the 13 colonies against uh, British rule, resulting in American independence. In other words, if we didn't have patriots willing to put their life on the line, we would not have the United States of America today. We would not enjoy the freedoms that we have today if it wasn't for those patriots back in the 1700s. And so Molenberg, obliged to obey the words of Scripture, because he was a pastor, it says clergy were in a unique position during the American Revolution. Many considered the revolution a sinful rebellion and insisted Scripture commanded Christians to obey government authority. Many considered the revolution a sinful rebellion and insisted scripture commanded Christians to obey government authority. I'm not sure if you guys have heard this, but this is happening today. People are insisting that what we're doing by being in church today is a rebellion, a sinful rebellion, and, and they're saying that the scripture doesn't allow what we're doing today. And they point to Romans 13. And uh, I just want to spend about two minutes on Romans 13, then I'll go back into the story. But Romans 13, you can read it when you get home. I just pulled out a couple of uh, passages because I didn't want to spend too much time on it. But Romans 13, 3 and 4 says this, For rulers or government authorities are not a terror to good works. They're not supposed to be a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he, authority, is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. 
for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. That's what Romans 13 says, a part of Romans 13 and, and what it says, that, that the authorities, the government, they're put in place by God to be his ministers for good and bring wrath on evil. I'm not sure if you think what I think, but I feel like that's been reversed. I feel like the, the government right now in California is ministering not for good, but bringing wrath on good. They're not bringing wrath on evil, they're celebrating evil. They're celebrating protests and, and uh, looting and rioting, and they're putting, threatening to put pastors in jail and churches to shut down like it's the reverse. They're supposed to be the ministers of God to do good, yet they're shutting down the very thing that Jesus died for the church. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem in line to me. The second thing is, in America, is very different than the other, par other parts of the world. In America, the people are the rulers. We the people. They're meant to govern at our pleasure. So we need to listen to our, ourselves in America, but they've reversed it. So they're, they're manipulating Romans 13, some people are, and they're saying, you guys can't do this because you're supposed to, uh, you know, uh, stay under authority. You, what you guys are doing is a sinful rebellion. That's what they told Peter Molenberg. Okay, back to the story. Those who were loyal to the crown, Great Britain, and did not seek separation from Great Britain were called loyalists or Tories. Other clergy, awakened clergy, <laughs> however, insisted they had a God-given duty to take up arms and fight against British tyranny. These clergy often drew from Old Testament passages to back up their claims. Now, there's plenty of New Testament passages. If you want one, read Acts 5. Yeah. By 1776, Declaration of Independence, after becoming a follower of Patrick Henry, Peter became convinced it was time to fight. So Reverend Peter stood in front of his congregation and delivered a message that ended with Ecclesiastes 3. And I'm going to read you a little bit of Ecclesiastes 3, and then I'm going to finish the story. Ecclesiastes 3 says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. A time to tear, a time to sow, tear, a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. I think it's a time to speak. I think it's time for the silent majority to get louder. Not be so silent anymore. It's not time for the church to be silent. It's time for us to get loud. Pastor Leanne says this, when the church loses its voice, the world loses its conscience. It's time, to, it's time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. Peter Molenberg closed his message by saying this. In the language of the Holy Writ, there is a time for all things. There is a time to preach, and there is a time to fight. And now is the time to fight. At the end of his sermon, January 21st, 1776, John Peter Muhlenberg threw off his clergy robe, his clerical robes, to reveal a uniform of an officer in the Continental Army. Drums began to roll, men kissed their wives, and they began to walk down the aisle to enlist in the military. 
The next day, Pastor Molenberg led 300 men of his church and surrounding churches to join General Washington's Continental Army on the 8th Virginia Regiment. I like guys like Peter Molenberg who won't stand for the church to be controlled or dictated to. He said, there's a time to preach and a time to fight, and it's time to fight. And then he did something about it. He took 300 guys with him. His brother, Frederick Augustus Molenberg, was also a pastor and didn't approve of what his brother did. His own brother was like, you shouldn't be doing this. This is sinful rebellion. There's pastors everywhere telling us, you shouldn't be doing this. You're going against Romans 13. It's rebellion. It's sinful. Until the British burned his church. He then joined the military to fight. Come on, if we don't fight now, there's no telling what they're going to do. No one telling what they're going to tell us to do. No telling what freedoms they're going to twist and tell us we can't do. America's going to dissolve if we don't stand up now. Like Peter Molenberg. I believe it's time for the church to fight. We may not be to the point of physical war yet, but I'm telling you, things are getting burned down. Stuff's happening. Fights are breaking out. But I believe it's time for the church to fight and to battle and to warfare, number one, in prayer. If we don't pray, nobody's going to pray. If we don't lead, nobody's going to lead. If we don't take action, nobody's going to take action. If we don't love people, nobody's going to love people. If we don't unite, nobody's going to unite. The church is not buildings, it's you. And I believe it's time for the church to unite and to fight. And here's the deal. You could have been born at any time in history, but you were born right here and right now for such a time as this. You were born for a, during this season for a specific reason. And I believe it's to stand with us and fight and defend the freedoms that came from God, not from anybody else. They came from God. God has appointed you for this season. You may not think so, but you're a winner. You're an overcomer. you got God on the inside of you. You can do this. You can win, but we cannot be weak. We are free people, and we need to act like free people. We need to act like free people. Matthew eleven twelve says this, and from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and violent people are attacking it. The church doesn't grow with weakness. The church grows when we forcefully advance, when we warfare in prayer, when we put our hand to something, when we gather together, when we unite. That's how the church grows. And, the, and I, thought, I thought of this video I want to show you. And uh, the video, um, to me, encapsulates where we are today, and it fired me up, so I want to show you real quick. I don't know about you, but I think there are people in heaven watching, wishing that they were alive right now, wishing they could stand right now and fight for what God has given us. I think there are people going, man, I wish that was me down there. And we have people down here going, man, I wish I was already in heaven. I wish God would come back. Man, I, that's not awakened church. I don't want to be the people on my deathbed. Or I don't want to get older and have my kids say, man, what were you doing during the pandemic? When they were trying to shut everything down and take away religious liberty, what were you doing? I don't want to be the guy that says, sorry, son, I was curled up in my back seat of my car by myself with my mask on. I'm not talking against masks. I'm just saying I, I ain't terrified. I don't want to be the one that was scared of this. I don't want to be the one that backed down or bowed my knee to ungodly agendas and spirits that are trying to 
rip away what we've worked so hard to build and what you've worked so hard to build in your business and your family and your marriage. People say, why are you guys so into politics? <laughs> and what I say is, we weren't the ones that went into politics. They came to us. They brought the fight to us. But they picked a fight with the wrong people. So Waken Church, we know how to fight. We know how to warfare. We ain't going to back down to nobody until Jesus tells us to stop. We ain't stopping. He's our Savior. He's the one in charge of the church. It's like David. Who is these uncircumcised Philistines, Pastor Charles, that would defy the God of Israel's armies? He said that they defied him. We're not defying anybody. We're honoring God. We're not trying to defy. We're trying to honor we're trying to honor. You come at me with sword and spear, they're coming at us with all kinds of stuff. Cease and desist letters, fines, threats. Tried to shut down North Campus this uh, yesterday, put a bunch of signs on their windows and said, you know, if you have services, you're going to get fined or whatever. We took them down. <laughs> I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. And you have defied my God. I will take your head and I will feed it to the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields so that all of the earth will know that there is a God in heaven. Come on, if we can stand, all the earth, all of San Diego is going to know that there is a God in San Diego, that the God of the Bible is real. You're going to come out of this thing, and you're going to be flourishing, and they're going to be saying, how did you do that? How did your marriage stay together? Why are you still laughing? Why are you still joyful? How is your business flourishing? How are your kids doing so? Well, you're going to say, because there is a God in heaven, and he's still alive, and he's still on the throne, and he still knows what he's doing, and he's still powerful enough to overcome anything that's happening on this earth. On Wednesday night, I'm not sure if you were here, but we had a, a great night Wednesday night. This Wednesday coming up, Pastor Jurgen's going to be here. Wednesday night, 7 to 8.15. It's going to be good. But Wednesday night, I was in worship, and I felt like God gave me this word. And he said, God never said he wouldn't flood the earth again. He just said he wouldn't flood it with water. God never said he wouldn't flood the earth again. He just said he wouldn't flood it with water. And so I went home, and then I got a vision, and I'll tell you what the vision was in a sec. But then I, got, I went home, and I looked in the Bible to make sure that that was God that said that and not some other weird voice. And I looked at Genesis 9-11, and it says, Thus I establish my covenant with you, Noah. Never again shall all the flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Verse 13 said, I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. I like how God says it's my rainbow. There's an agenda trying to steal the rainbow, but it's God's rainbow. It's God's rainbow. I know I'm hitting things that's probably making some people mad today. Don't worry, I'll never preach this message again. He said, he said there will never be a flood again to destroy the earth. So God said there will never be a flood to destroy the earth, but he never said he wouldn't send a flood to restore the earth. And I believe that you are that flood. 
I believe the people of Awakened Church, Christians all around the world, are that flood that is meant to restore the earth. And I saw this vision, kind of like my boy William Wallace, where, the, where the, all the Scots were just running onto the battlefield like a sea of soldiers and a sea of people. Because Jesus says, go into all the earth and make disciples of everybody. It was like this flood of people were flooding the earth. And I remembered the, the, the scripture in Isaiah 59, 19. And it says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west. My Bible says the west coast, because the west coast is the best coast. <laughs> and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And I love that verse. And, and, and I want to I teach you something that I've learned over the last few years. And... Uh, and the, the, the outcome of the verse is, or the, the verse is going to change a little bit, but the outcome is the same. So if you disagree with me, the outcome is the same, so it's okay. But over the last few years, I've, I've heard many preachers and theologians that are much smarter than me talk about the original Hebrew language and how this verse wasn't necessarily translated correctly punctuation-wise. And they said that punctuation in the Hebrew language, that they didn't have it. They said that, that they just had sentences and they had structures of sentences based on like where the subject's supposed to go, where the adjective is supposed to go, where the verb's supposed to go, you know, where the noun's supposed to go. And that's how they structured their sentences but didn't have punctuation. The, the people that wrote the Bible, that translated the Bible, put in punctuation for you and I to understand it better, put in gaps and things. There weren't, there weren't verses, you know, the translators put all that stuff in. And so I, I came to, to realize that after even researching it this week, that I found more people for what I'm about to tell you than against what I'm about to tell you. And so it, to me, resonates on who I believe the character of God is. And so I'm going to read the verse again to you, but I'm just going to move a comma. It says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. It used to say when the enemy comes in like a flood, but we move the comma, and now it says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord is going to come and lift up a standard against him. I believe that God is like a flood. The title of my message is Like a Flood. Somebody say, Like a Flood. Like a Flood. We, uh, th th sometimes it feels like the enemy is coming in like a flood, but we just got to move the comma. We just got to move the comma and line it up with the will of God and with the character of God because God is the one that's bringing the flood, not the enemy. The reason I know this and think this is because God is always on offense. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. He knows what the next play is. The difference between offense and defense is offense knows the next play. Defense can guess, but they don't know the next play unless you're the Patriots and you cheat. But they, but, but they don't know the next play. They don't know the next play. Offense knows the next play. Offense knows the next play. God is not intimidated, nor is he surprised by what's happening in the earth. He knows the beginning from the end. And I want to be the one surfing on the flood, on the front lines of the flood in San Diego. The enemy has come in, but God is the one sending the flood. And the flood is you, and the flood is me. The flood is the Word of God. The flood is the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the flood. And here's the thing. We could, as a church, just relax where we are. We could have just kept doing online services. 
We could even just keep our, you know, six campuses that we have, five here, one in Salt Lake City, and we could just manage what we have and camp right here. But let me just remind you, if you haven't been here in a while, and if it's your first time here, let me tell you that we aren't called at Awaken Church to camp. We are called to climb. And we won't stop climbing and we won't stop building until Jesus tells us that it's time to stop, until he comes back, because Jesus is not a camper, he is a builder. You and I are builders, we are climbers, and we will not stop till 16 campuses in San Diego, and then we'll start shooting off all over the world or until God tells us whatever the next thing is. The enemy has come in, but like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord is sending the church. It's sending the church. You remember Moses. Remember Moses, God came to him and said, you're going to deliver the Israelites out of 400 years of slavery. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh goes, no. And so Moses says, all right, God. And God sends a flood, 10 plagues. 10 plagues until finally Pharaoh goes, all right, get out of here. I don't want to eat more frogs in my burritos and deal with blood in the water and all this kind of stuff. He says, get out of here. So Moses takes millions of Israelites and they begin to, to leave to the wilderness. And then Pharaoh goes, oh my gosh, what have I done? I've sent away all of our labor. And then he tells his generals and his army, he says, go get them, bring them back here. And so the most powerful army uh, during that time went after Israel. And I would have felt, if I was Moses, as he's walking, he would have started to hear footsteps and the enemy coming with horses and chariots, maybe trumpets and cymbals, and he would have heard that the enemy's coming and the, and the footsteps and the rumbling. He would have heard the enemy coming in and would have thought like a flood. Moses would have thought there was a flood coming behind him, but he just had to move the comma and realize that there was actually a flood forming in front of him. So as Moses came out with the Israelites and he came to the Red Sea, and he thought it was game over. He's like, God, what do I do? And God said, don't look at me. Stretch out your hands. I have given you a rod. I have given you the power of God in your hand. Stretch out your hand. And so Moses stretches out his hand. The Red Sea parts. The Israelites walk through unscathed. And the, the crashing of the waves, the flood, comes in and consumes the most powerful army of that time. There wasn't a, the enemy wasn't coming in like a flood. God was making a flood in front of him. Right now it may seem like there's a, the enemy's come in like a flood, but just keep walking. Just keep walking. God has given you something in your hand. God has given you something in your mouth where if you speak to that mountain, it has to leave. It has to be cast into the sea. God is with you. He's working behind the scenes. Just keep going. Just keep walking. Just keep stepping out in faith. God is bringing a flood and he is going to destroy the enemies that are around you. All Moses had to do was move the comma. Nahum 1, 7 to 8. I'm just going to continue to prove this theory with you. Some of you didn't know Nahum was in the Bible. I kind of forgot too. The Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in him. He's close. He may seem like he's far, he's close. He's close, but he will sweep away his enemies in an overwhelming flood. God is the overwhelming one. He's not the overwhelmed. You're the overcomer. You're not the overcome. You're the winner, not the loser. 
God is on your side and he will pursue his foes in the darkness of night. He's not one waiting for the enemy to come in. He's pursuing him. He's pursuing him with you and for you. He's with you and he's for you. He's got angels. The Bible says angels surround the righteous. You are righteous in him. Warring angels, ministering angels, strong angels on your side and on your team. God is sending a flood to back you up, to consume your enemies. Why don't you stand up as we come to a close? There's a story in the Bible, and I believe that um, this is how we have to be right now during this time. Luke 5, 12 to 13. It said, and it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. So Jesus is walking down the street and there was a man full of leprosy, but he saw Jesus. In the midst of his leprosy, he was still able to see Jesus. The enemy wants to blind you with sickness. He wants to blind you with tragedy. He wants to blind you with fear so that you can't see Jesus anymore because if you can see Jesus, you will see hope. You will get filled with faith. So right now the devil's trying to bring fear around you, trying to bring anxiety around you, doubt around you, so you can't see Jesus anymore. But this man of leprosy, I like him because he still saw Jesus despite the leprosy. And in this time, a leprous man or woman was considered very unclean. And so they would have had to wear torn clothes, messed up hair, hair and yelled, unclean, unclean, as people walked by so people knew they had leprosy and no one would ever touch them for fear that whatever was on them would get on them. But Jesus walks by and he goes, Jesus, Jesus, because he had heard about the miracle working Jesus and he said, if you are willing, will you make me clean? And I love Jesus because he didn't just say, be healed. It's easy sometimes to just talk. It's easy to talk trash on social media. It's easy to, to yell at different people in the streets. It's easy to just spout off at the mouth. And Jesus could have done that. But the Bible says he goes over to this leprous man, somebody that he should never touch, especially a rabbi. And he goes over to him, and instead of just saying, be healed, he, the Bible says he reaches out his hand and touches him. And he says, be cleansed. And immediately, this leper is healed, is cleansed. Sometimes taking action is using our, our voice, using our mouth, not being silent. But I think in this time, not only do we need to have a voice, but we need to put our hand to something. We need to take action. We need to love people that might not understand. We need to bring faith to people that are scared and full of fear and terrified. And people are looking for people of faith. People are looking for, for a different answer. People feel that this isn't right. It's not, it, this can't be it. But they're looking around, they're trying to find somebody who believes, somebody that's bold enough to say, this isn't right, I believe, and, and, and bring faith into a situation. We need people that are willing to be generous during this time. People losing their jobs and losing their careers, people's marriages off the rails, people's kids are addicted and you know, domestic, all kinds of stuff's happening. We need to put our hand to something. We need to take action, not just speak with our voice. The world needs a healing hand at the moment. We need to be able to love people that might not understand what's happening, but, but instill faith, instill faith. Get people healed during this time so that we can come out in strength, 
and strong and they can turn their life around. They would know that there is a God in heaven that is about to bring an overwhelming flood of favor into their life to bring them, bring them out of this thing. I want to pray for you today. Two, two different kinds of people. The first people I want to pray for are those of you that are here today. And maybe, maybe you've never accepted Jesus in your life. Maybe you didn't know he died on a cross for you. Maybe you didn't know that he was powerful enough to deliver you from whatever it is you're facing. Maybe you have a void in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul, and you didn't know where, how to fill it. You've been trying drugs, you've been trying alcohol, you've been trying people, you still have that void. That void is reserved for Jesus. And I wanna give you an opportunity this morning to invite him into your life. So can we just close our eyes as we stand? If you're here today and you've never said, Jesus, come into my life, I wanna follow you. I wanna give you that opportunity. The Bible says that God so loved you that he sent his own son to take the punishment for your sin on his life so that you can live free, so that you can go to heaven for eternity. So if that's you this morning, just lift up your hand. I wanna pray for you. Is there anybody like that in here this morning saying, Jesus, come into my life? Maybe you once accepted him, but you've since fallen off. And today you're saying, you know what? I wanna rededicate myself to you. I wanna get back on Team Jesus. Is there anybody like that this morning? Maybe you've never invited Christ into your life or one time you did, but you fell off. Just lift your hand so I can pray for you. Is there anybody like that? God bless you, I see that hand. God bless you, I see that hand, sir, thank you. God bless you to my left, thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you, I see that hand in the orange, thank you. Is there one more person? God bless you, sir. See that hand. Amen. Proud of you, man. Proud of you. To my right, thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you. Okay, with every eye closed and head bowed, as you stand, I want everybody in the building to repeat this prayer after me. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. Lord Jesus, today, I invite you into my life and I ask that you would help me live a life to glorify you. Today I declare that I am saved, that heaven is my home and God is my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, why don't we clap for those people? Welcome to the family of God. So proud of you all that lifted your hand, prayed that prayer. That's why they want the church shut down, because five people wouldn't have been in heaven today if we didn't meet. I'm so proud of all of you. I want to pray for another group of people. Before I do, I just want to let those people know that, that just lifted your hand. We have um, some of our team over here in the response lounge. On your way out, bring a friend, bring a family member. We want to give you a book, a Bible, a book that just says following Jesus that'll help you on your journey. And we want to answer any questions that you have and honor that very important decision that you just made. So make sure you, you stop by there. Uh, but I want to pray for another group of people. And those people are those that, you know, something resonated with you today. And maybe you've kind of been on the sideline, but you're saying, you know what, I want to get back in the game. I want to be emboldened. I want to be empowered to do whatever it is that you can do. And you can only do so much, but, but together we can do quite a lot, right? If we can all unite and, and do our thing and whatever that looks like for your life, um, if that's you, I just, wanna, uh, I just want you to lift your hand and I want to pray a, a blessing and a, and, a, and a prayer over you 
and uh, basically commission and charge us in here to go out and flood the earth. So if that's you, just lift your hand. I want to pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the people of God. Lord, I thank you. The Bible says that we are bold as lions. Father, we may not feel bold at the moment, but Lord, right now I declare a shift happening on the inside of people. Lord, from timidity to boldness, from fear to faith. Lord, help us flood the earth with the word of God. Flood the earth with the power of God. Flood the earth with whatever it is, God, you are calling us to do. Lord, give us wisdom on how to navigate this situation with our families, with our marriages, with our kids, with our businesses, with our church. Father, we declare that you are bringing a flood into the earth. And Lord, we ask for your power, your anointing, the Holy Spirit, your guidance as we go out and are a light into this generation. And Lord, we thank you for the responsibility of defending the church, of defending the rights to have religion, of defending the rights of freedom for the greatest country in the history of the world, the United States of America. Lord, I pray for our president. I pray for those in office, our civic leaders locally. Lord, protection, blessing, wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would send angels to protect and minister to and to guide them in this season. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.